Hey there, it's Joycelyn Wells, and it's Wednesday, July 8th, 2020, and it's time for Joy Exposed. I'm trying to get this technology thing down. Y'all know I struggle here, so let me type a comment and see if I can see it. All right, it's Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed. It's Wednesday, July 8th, 2020. Oh, we've made it to the second part of the year and it's still just as crazy, right? So we've got pandemic, we've got civil unrest, we've got riots, we've got looting, we've got murders, schools closed, or are they open? People dying, oh my goodness, people out of jobs. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So this year has been no doubt the most eventful of all of my years, especially when it comes to things that I have no control over. I'm having to figure out what in the hell should I be doing right now? So anyway, I'm Joycelyn Wells and we'll get started with three cheers of joy. Now remember, if you don't know, three cheers of joy, three moments of self-celebration, they have nothing to do with anybody other than you right? So that's what we start off with. And it's just a gentle reminder that you're important. You matter. Your decisions are important. Your decisions matter. Your placement on this earth or in this earth, all of that matters. And you have to do something about it to make yourself remember that you're the bomb. So here we go. Tonight, I have resorted back to my favorite wine, my favorite Malbec poppy. Um, this lighting is bad for it. Let's see if I can fix it. Can you see it better? Yeah, Poppy Malbec. And um, this is what I'm drinking tonight. And I'm gonna open it while we're sitting here talking because I had to run some errands first and I didn't get to, um, I had to run some errands and I didn't get to open it yet. <laughs> I was running a little late, hanging out with my daughter and my little baby. Hey, Jason. Hey, Nancy. Viande. Hey, Varisa. Happy birthday, girl. Happy birthday. It's Varisa's birthday. She's the queen. All right. So I got my wine open and I hope you guys have something yummy that you're drinking. As I said, this is a Malbec and um, it's one of my favorites. Definitely a go-to wine because it's usually on sale and that makes a difference for me. I also have um sparkling water it's a strawberry sparkling water just in case i was over the wine real quick so let's get on three cheers of joy my first cheer of joy um geez oh let's see i gotta be thankful for something this week right this is crazy uh i've gotten plenty of rest so i'm grateful for that so and when i talk about me resting I have a problem with resting because my brain tells me I should be doing something else, but my body literally wants to rest. So I have been resting this week, which is good. That's my first cheers of joy, cheer of joy. So cheers to resting. And my second cheer of joy is I started a squat challenge. I was talking to some girlfriends about getting older because I'll be 51 this year. And what I'm noticing about myself is that I'm getting less and less interested in working out. I'm thinking I'm tired of it. I don't know, but it's I'm getting it's getting less for me. So I'm trying to do better to um, work out. So what I've decided to do, and I did it. I didn't do it intentionally. As I remember, in April I went walking, and then May I did no. That's not true. April I didn't do a damn thing. May I started walking all those miles. June, I did the yoga challenge. In July, I'm doing a squat challenge. So I think my goal is to reach my step goal of 12,000 steps a day and then do some kind of challenge for the month. And that's about as much as I can do because I'm getting really, I'm just tired. I'm just not even interested. I can't get my energy enough to take me through. So my second cheer of joy is I started a squat challenge for July. And we're gonna see how that goes. This is my fifth day. This was a rest day and um, so far so good. So hopefully it's gonna help me with my knees and of course my butt. I don't wanna get old and my butt gets low. I need my butt to stay high. So cheers to squat challenge. My third cheer of joy. Oh, I've been wearing this waist trainer 
I like it. I want to wear it all the time because I like the way I look in it. Because <laughs> I feel like I need something extra for my tummy. The tummy just doing its own thing. So I did get a waist trainer and I've, I've been wearing that. I got it about a month ago, but I haven't been wearing it consistently until this week. I've been literally wearing it every day. So that's my third cheer of joy is um, wearing my waist trainer. So um, got to keep that together. So my first cheer of joy was accepting the rest and not making myself feel guilty about it. My second cheer of joy was trying to exercise and the squat challenge. So I'm doing that. We're going to see how that goes. And then in August, I'll do a different challenge, right? So I'm just trying not to overwhelm myself with a bunch of different things because I'm literally not interested. Walking, I know, is tried and true. I have to do that. And then just add a little extra in there until I can maybe get my momentum back up. And then third, I bought myself a waist trainer and I've been wearing it um, and I'm pleased with it. So I'm going to wear that more often and um, I'll, I'm going to take a picture tonight because I'm going to see how it looks in a month if it's really like if it makes a big difference so I'm going to take it a picture tonight and then again in a month to see if it made a difference so anyway cheers to all three of those my three cheers of joy my moments of self-celebration uh cheers Varisa and happy birthday hi Talisha so thank you guys so much for joining um I really appreciate that so let's see what else I got for tonight um Oh, why can I not see all my messages? That's interesting. Anyway, I have to look out of my phone. All right, so that's my three tips of joy. So let me look and see what I have for um, Facebook posts of the week. There's been a lot of interesting stuff on Facebook and I try not to get caught too caught up in it because I'm such an emotional processor. You guys know that about me. I'm constantly looking at things and how it's supposed to be different than what I can do. So I've been faced with a few challenges on Facebook this week, but you know, I'll live. All right. So my first Facebook post of the week, I saw this today. It says, as an American, you have a right not to wear a mask. But just like you, businesses have a right not to let you in, not to serve you. You can't have it both ways. You are free to make a choice, but that means accepting the consequences of your actions. Screaming at employees and businesses for protecting their workers and customers does not make you a patriot. It makes you an asshole. Don't mistake inconvenience for oppression. So I read that, I saw that today on Janika Santos um, web on her page, and it looks like it's a sign in a restaurant. And I think that that's a lot of people are struggling with that with wearing the mask and I just thought that was a great sign to have simply because people want to be able to do what they want to do but then they don't want other people to be able to do what they want or need to do right so I think that is kind of a double standard that some people have and that may go along with that privilege thing it may go along with privilege like I can do what I want to do and you have to leave me the fuck alone while I do it well it doesn't work that way because so many people are um, at risk with this virus because the numbers are growing, growing, growing every day. And the United States has more active cases than anywhere else in the world. And that's really um, depressing, especially considering that the United States is like a leader in the world, right? We're, but now nobody wants us to come to their countries. They wanna not accept their passenger, not accept this, the flights in from the United States. And that's a big deal because we've always been able to travel where we want, the right to roam, you know, we can do whatever we want, but and they put some halting on that. So it's not able to happen. Um, let's see, I didn't want to read that one. I just had that copy, let's see. Oh, and then another one Facebook post I saw today, I sent this to my supervisor, my um, boss, my direct report boss. And uh, the post says at the top, when your boss hit you up on your day off and the text message is like, hey, and you say, nope, already drinking. <laughs> at 10 a.m., yep. <laughs> like, don't call me in on my off days. So I thought that was, that was funny. Um, I did take a couple of really interesting social emotional learning um, classes this week and I'm trying to figure out how I want to disseminate that information, whether I want to do some zoom classes with 
some of you guys or some of my Facebook friends to kind of talk about what that looks like, your social emotional learning curve. Like, where are you in that? Because I think that when all of the theories and information about existing change, once you're out of school or they're not addressing it in your workplace, you really don't access a lot of it. So you almost need to be in an environment where you have to could have professional development. Like you need personal development. Like you need somebody to give you things that's going to help you personally and help you professionally. And that's one of the things that I um, definitely support with people. How do you continue to grow? And if you deal with a lot of people, you understand that they're stuck, like they're really stuck and they don't know what to do. And, you know, but you want to give them some guidance. Like you want to help them continue to grow and understand what their social and emotional learning looks like. How are they socially? How are they emotionally? Why are they bombing in marriages and relationships? How can they have all of these things to happen? So any kind of relationships, uh, same sex relationships, different sex relationship with your parents, all of that. So, you know, that we have to make sure we definitely give people an opportunity to know that their, their emotional and social growth is important for them to forge these relationships. So I'm trying to figure out how I wanna use that information. Um, and uh, I'm sure I'll talk about that some more. I can't really think of anything else that I saw. Oh, let me tell you this. Somebody invited me to join a group called Black Girls Healing on Facebook. And I was excited to hear, to join this group, Black Girls Healing. And there's a lot of people in it, like 30,000 people, like it's a huge group. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be such, a, have such an impact in there. Cause that's all what I'm about. I'm about people growing, healing from your past, moving on. I was in there for like 15 minutes. <laughs> I was in there for literally 15 minutes and they were like, uh, you are victim shaming. So they said I was victim shaming um, and I wasn't. So I'll give you kind of the scenario. The scenario was a, was a post made about a woman saying that she finds herself going on dates with men who keep asking her over and over to have sex, and then she gives in to the sex. How can she get past that? That was the question. So of course, I said, well, first of all, call it what it is. It's rape. Call it what it is. And when the question comes up and you say no, if they continue, then fucking leave. Nowadays, get an Uber. It doesn't matter. Get the hell out of there. If you know that you're in danger, if somebody doesn't respect your no, across the board, if somebody doesn't respect your no, they're not going to respect you after you give it to them either. That's a part of having your good relationships. When somebody asks you for something and you say no, they leave you the fuck alone about it. People think they're being persistent and they got these great skills. It's rape. You keep asking me, I keep telling you no, I give it to you, that's rape. When it comes to sex, when it comes to anything, and I, I will explain that to people. If I've told you no over and over and you keep on, you're literally trying to take something from me that I don't want to give you, that is rape. So I said that in the post and I was like, so, you know, you have to make sure that you got to take care of yourself. Even back when I was young, if I left the house, my mom always made sure I had money, a quarter to make a phone call if I need to leave somewhere and call home or call somebody to come get me. Like that's not new information. Well, the women decided that I was victim shaming because I was making it seem like it was her fault. So I was like, if it ha it's happened multiple times and it's continuing to happen, does she not have any power? Like, so for me, that sounds like you are at least, the second, I'll give you the second time. The third time you are at least responsible for your safety. The first time you let somebody else do it. The second time you let somebody else do it, that's your issue right there. But the third time it's really your issue. Like. When do you develop enough about yourself to, especially if it's bothering you, if it doesn't bother you, have at it. But if it bothers you and you're asking how to get over it, that says you're trying to take a different action. So I thought I was giving sound, solid advice. 
Well, the women in the group decided that I was not giving sound solid advice, that I was victim shaming and I was acting like it was her fault. So then I decided I had a little back and forth and I was like, that wasn't my intention, but there's power in getting yourself out of a fucked up situation. Like there's so much power in saying I'm out of here. Well, after I kind of went back and forth a couple of times, I realized this isn't a group about healing. This is a group about being, being a victim and supporting being a victim. I don't support that. And that's why I always say, when people, when something's going on with someone, if they aren't asking for help, I can't help them. I literally can't help them. I don't have that in me to support you in this space. If you're in the space and you want to be in the space, great, be there. But you don't get to give this information over and over and over and you don't take any action. So I was really just a little disheartened by it because I was, I was expect, expecting Black Girls Healing to be about women trying to get beyond these moments into that powerful place of no and setting boundaries. I talk about those things every week on my show. How do you set boundaries? How do you protect yourself? And I mean that. Like I literally mean protect yourself. And it's okay. Nobody can take something from you that you don't want to give. And if they do, hold them accountable. And even in the group, they weren't even saying that they didn't even want to call that rape. And they weren't calling the police. They were just taking it like somebody's just literally mistreating and abusing them and they're not doing anything about it, but taking it. That to me is crazy. Like, so that I didn't last long in the group. I went ahead and exited because I just decided that they weren't ready. It's like when we, when I talk about leading people to freedom, if people don't know that they're a slave, they're not going to follow you to freedom. If people don't know that there's something else, they're not going to follow you to that good space. They're going to stay in that space and they want you to stay in that space with them. Even if you know already the space fucking sucks. It's not fair. It's not fair to people who have a purpose to fill. It's not fair to the person who's carrying the burden of the fact that they've been raped. That's not fair. It's not fair. It's not safe. Social emotional learning. It fucks you up dealing with people socially. It fucks you up emotionally. That, all, that ties right into that. So I didn't last very long in the group of the Black Girls Healing. And, you know, I just, I didn't last there. So I, I left the group. And I just was like, okay, I'm done. But I really, I thought that it was going to be something in a, in a way that people were trying to move beyond the pain, trying to move beyond the hurt. That's where I am function well there. I function beyond the pain. Like once you know it's pain or once you know it's bad, let's go. But if you know it's bad and you wanna keep reliving over and over in this space, that it's bad and you're not ready to take a step, I don't work well in that space. So, you know, there's nothing, any, I mean, we're all, we're all wired different. We are, I hurt, y'all have seen me cry. You've heard me fussing. Y'all know I'm just as human, I'm a human. Y'all know that. You also know that I wanna keep myself safe and I wanna give all the goodness that I have to get to where I'm supposed to be for my purpose. So I have a hard time sitting in the space where somebody wants to wallow in it because God, God chose me to move. He chose all of us to move. We're mobile. Like that's how we're designed. It's time for us to go. Um, I said a few weeks ago, there are three, you have three chances. The first time, tell me about it. I'm listening. The second time you tell me about it, I've listened. I've thought about it. I've processed it for you. I have some ideas. You coming to me again, you come to me a second time, you want some ideas. You come to me a third time and I'm gonna ask you, what happened with the ideas, with the suggestions? What did you find out about that? Did you read the book? Did you, and if you didn't, that lets me know already, you're not ready to move. Like it's, it's time to take action. It's literally time to take action, right? So I, I have to be very careful because it can probably come off as brass or, mean or it could come off that and it's never my intention like it's literally never my intention but I see greatness in everybody 
and I see greatness in myself. So I have a hard time seeing less than greatness in you. If you can't see greatness in yourself, then we can get to that. But when I see you, I see greatness. That's how I deal with every single person. Like you are the greatest. You are the greatest at what you're supposed to do. I can't see anything less than that. So, you know, I'm and I've had a tough road. I've I'm shit. I've struggled. I've had my bull crap. Jesus. I don't want anymore. And it comes, it can come, but I keep myself safe about it. I'm not arguing with anybody. I'm not fussing with anybody. I'm not relegating myself to second place because of somebody. I'm not dealing with somebody's irate behavior because they don't know a different way. I'm not doing any of that. I'm I'm doing, I'm here doing what I'm supposed to be doing, moving the way that I'm supposed to be moving. And that's why I feel everybody should be doing at this point, especially when there's so much turmoil right now in the United States. Nobody can, we, none of us literally have an opportunity to stay still. None of us can stay still. We've got so much work to do. We've got so much to work to do. I talked about this last week saying, we've got to make sure the table is set and prepared for the kids who come behind us. We've got to make sure they have a place to go eat. Not just today, tomorrow. The grandkids, the great grandkids, we've got to clear all of this land for them to be able to move forward and get to where they're supposed to go. I don't, I'm not sitting up waiting on somebody to do it. I'm not, nobody's giving me permission. I'm, I'm over permission. I'm doing, I'm a do. And then I'll ask forgiveness, but I'm not asking anybody. There's nobody to give me permission to move. I have, my rights are equal as every other United States citizen. Every other citizen, we have the same rights. So I'm not waiting for somebody who think they're, they think they're better to give me permission. I'm not, I'm doing exactly what I need to do. And I'm moving along my path. If somebody's, there shouldn't be anybody on my way in my path, because at this point, nobody's even considering that because I've already moved beyond the crabs in the barrel trying to pull me back or the naysayers or somebody trying to block me. I feel like I've moved beyond them because now in this space, it's recognized that I'm fucking moving. Like I'm on my thing, right? So I don't, I'm not worried about that anymore. And I've been working on that mindset. I've been since Kobe died and even I was saying I was on my uh, Deion Sanders-ish. I, you know, so all of those things, those great men, those men who knew without a question that they were phenomenal. Shit, Michael Jordan, I watched this special and he was like, if they're saying you're a bitch or they're saying you this, it's cause they've never been hungry. They never wanted to win anything. People who haven't wanted it don't know what it takes to get it. So those are the ones who can tell you that you're being a bitch or you're being mean because they haven't went for it. They haven't competed for it. So I, I love the mindset behind the, the win. Serena Venus Williams. I love that winning mindset. And I have all of these sports references because that's who I see on the TV. But there are others that are just as amazing. But I wanted to tap into my greatness. I want to tap into that. And I've been literally working on that. And that's how I feel. Like I was sitting with a group of people talking and I was like, oh, I'm the leader. They're like, we don't have any leadership. I was like, I'm the leader. That's me. I'm the leader. I'm ready. I'm here. I'm the leader here. And they just kind of looked at me because they didn't know what to do, but they didn't know if I was serious or not. But yeah, if you're telling, if you're around me and you're telling me you don't know what to do and you're looking for a leader, I'm your fucking leader. I'm the leader. Like that's what that is. If you can say it and you know that you need something, I'm your leader. I'm the leader. Cause I'm not going to say I'm looking for a leader. I'm the leader. Like I have accepted that and I own that. I'm the leader. Let's see what we're, what's supposed to happen. I may not know what's supposed to happen, but we can figure it out. I'm not relinquishing my position to someone else out of fear of not knowing. The beauty of it is I can know, we can know anything. We can know anything. We can find out any, any information. And I'm sure that every single one of you have something that a thousand people behind you don't have and you can take them to a different place. So I'm working on it, you know, 
just making sure I stay firm in it and I'm not questioning. Can I do it? Can I? I'm not questioning that anymore. I can do it. Sure. What now? Let me see. <laughs> I, my self-efficacy is through the damn roof right now. Like, because I know that I have so much power and the strength of God and the strength of universe movement in me that I'm not allowing myself to question it for man, for a human. No, I'm not questioning myself for a human, especially someone who isn't in a position or hasn't who hasn't positioned themselves in my life to propel me forward or to fill me with goodness. Somebody who's sitting on the sideline yelling out what I should do, shit, stay there. It, I'm not listening. I'm not listening, right? I'm not listening. So, you know, that's a big deal for me. And I have struggled with that for years because I've always put so much emphasis on what it would be for me to be a person to someone else, the kind of wife I would be, the kind of mom I would be, the kind of daughter I would be, the kind, of, but you know what, it's showtime. What kind of woman am I? What kind of person am I? Not a black woman, not a single woman. What kind of person am I? What's the goodness in me and how am I supposed to use that? that affects the goodness in everybody else or draw the goodness in everybody else and move forward. And that's where I am. And I, you know, it's, it's just where I am. And I'm very pleased to be in that space right now. And it feels good for me. And it makes me understand why I need to rest because I have a lot going on. I have a lot happening in here all the time, trying to process information. What's the next move? How do I move? Is it time to move? I'm processing that all the time. And sometimes I need to rest. And, you know, so when I rest, I'm learning, I've learned that when it's time to rest, to rest, don't fight against it. Because once I'm empty, I can't do anything for anybody else. When I'm empty, I'm done. I can't do anything for anybody else. I, um, one of my Facebook friends made a post today. She's a young one. And she made a post and said that like the last four years of her life have been hell. And then she said a date last year was like the worst day of her life. And I read it and I didn't respond because sometimes when I respond, I can be without the fluffy. I can be pretty direct. So I didn't respond today because she made the post one after the other. So I decided I would give her a couple days and then I would respond to her. But I wanted to make sure, make sure that she understands that your worst day hasn't happened yet. It may be bad, but it's not your worst day. The years that have been the worst years, they're not the worst years. There will be times because we have to have the mental capacity of what it's like to be broken down, to be just soil, to get rid of all the shit our parents taught us, to get rid of that and to start rebuilding on your own accord as the person that the universe needs you to be. It's okay. It's okay to have bad days. It's okay to have terrible days. You can't quit. You don't stop living. You keep going. And when you keep going, you have to keep growing. So. You know, I just, and I'm gonna talk to her about that because I need for her to understand that she's young and the most of the dramatics and pain happens in our 20s because we're trying to slough off the stuff that we've gotten from our parents that belongs to them. So I think that all of our young people need to know that we all as parents, I don't know how many of you are parents, but as parents, we always have to make sure that we give our kids something that they can use instead of the things that we didn't use and we're hoping they get to use. We got to give them, allow them their own area of growth. But as parents, we put all of our crap on them and expect them to be able to go and fly. And it rarely happens. Sometimes we have, sometimes we have years of crap on us that we've picked up as we've grown gone along. We have yet, and we never some people never get rid of it and they're stuck. But when you're 
fighting against what you're supposed to be doing and trying to get where you're going, you're going to have some bad days because it's in conflict of what you know. And we all go through that. And that's really, it's scary because you think, gosh, my mom taught me this. My dad taught me this. My mom said I should do this. My dad, my grandmother, my this and this. You have all of these people who've influenced you along your way, but then you get older and you realize a lot of it has nothing to do with nothing. It was just their stuff that they placed on you. So we really have to just make sure we support our young people, the boomers, I mean, not the boomers, the Gen Z, right? We've got to support them to make sure that they get to a place that they can support themselves. And their bad days, they're okay. They're, they're going to be better, right? The bad days are always better. That's one thing that we know, the nighttime is the worst and the days always get better. That Those are the things that are tried and true. And that's why a lot of people have difficulty at night when they're going through something because the night is always the longest. The night is long, it's lonely, it's sad, it's depressed. The, light, the nights are the worst. Now, when I was in going through my depression, my nights sucked. My nights literally <laughs> fucking sucked. I could literally lay in the bed like this. all night, couldn't go to sleep, couldn't go to sleep, what, tired as hell, not able to sleep, my mind racing, I'm just laying there, not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow, worry, 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 but as we get older, we realize that's a waste, to spin your wheels in that area, but we have to learn how to not do that, you learn to worry because the people around you worry, you know that worrying is what happens. And so you find yourself in situations that you're worrying. And so we have really have to make sure that we are okay when we're talking to people about dealing with the idea that they're having a good time or they're having a bad time and that the good times are coming. So it's okay. And that I would wholeheartedly say that to anyone, it's okay. And that's why I said I'm going to give a couple days before um, I message my um, Facebook friends to let her know that um, it's okay. And as dark as the days seem, as dark as the days seem, there'll be there will be darker days. There will be days when you can't you feel like your eyes won't even open. And and you welcome those days just like you welcome the good days because once you come out of that yucky time there's goodness on the other side of it get to the other side like literally get to the other side so uh let's see what else was i going to talk about tonight oh how so what's going on with the schools oh that's another thing next week i'm going to have a phone line where you can call in i'm gonna i'll pub it this week and maybe i can get more people to call in and stuff we'll get people to call in see how that goes since i'm getting a little more comfortable with my technology so what's going on with the uh the schools talking about opening so they're talking about opening the schools even in the midst of our covid numbers what are we like week 13 of covid shit i can't even remember let's see April, May, June, so that's 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 weeks into COVID, right? So we got 15 weeks into COVID. Our numbers are crazy. School starts in four weeks, and they're talking about opening schools to full capacity. That's crazy, right? Don't you think? Hey, Kim, that's crazy talking about opening the schools to full capacity, and two things are assumed with that. One is that teachers are going to go to school. That's the first assumption. Two, parents are going to send their kids to school. I don't even know how that works. And I didn't think that I would be in the position of trying to figure out if I would, in fact, go back to work. What is it worth for me to go work to risk COVID? For myself, I, I and and this is the thing. As a teacher, we take a certain amount of risk being a teacher. Your kids being bananas, the school shootings, which became a thing. I know that my children at, in my classroom are my responsibility. I know that they're my responsibility when I'm there. But that's saying, in an act of 
impromptu crisis. That's um, an, act, an act of somebody coming on the campus of a school of an intruder or a school shooter. We're not planning. We know that the pandemic is happening. We know that COVID is there, but we're saying teachers go to school, host the kids in your classrooms and what, die? How many of us will die before we realize this isn't the way to go? How many of us, one teacher is, one teacher has been exposed, then the whole school closed down because all the kids have now been exposed. So well, how does this work? And this is the thing, because I was asking Faceless Love today because I was thinking about it. I'm like, what's up with that? Forcing the kid, the schools to open. What's up with it? And he said, it's a political, it's political. Our president thinks that he can force things back to normal, get the economy moving and stop the pandemic to get him in a place to be in a better position for an election in November. And I thought, how fucking crazy is that? It's gonna take us years to get beyond the damage of this pandemic. We haven't had one in a hundred years there was recovery time for years after that. We still have an uphill battle to get through the pandemic, through the COVID. Like this isn't going away. Like literally it has, it's not going away. Not anytime soon. And now I'm feeling like we're gonna be forced into a position as teachers. We're gonna be forced into, cause we need jobs. All of us work, we need jobs. We're gonna be forced to go back to what? To die? Like, so don't go back or go back and die. How many teachers are dealing with this thought process right now? Because no one is asking the teachers. And Kim just said, the teachers don't have a choice. That's right. So nobody, Nobody's asking us what we think. Now, does opening schools at full capacity mean more e-learning and the school is open? That would be amazing. And I guess that would be for the individual school districts to figure that piece out. But we still have to figure out how do we keep everybody freaking safe? The teachers probably have anybody in the United States interact with more people every day than teachers. I doubt it. Like what jobs do you think that people interact with more than for a sustained amount of time? Uh, shoot, 200 kids in a day? Not to mention the other, what, 1,300 walking through the school? We, have ex we're get, we get so much exposure to these kids that we get their colds, we get shit. We get shot for them when it comes to that. We break up their fights. We have to feed them. We have to clothe them. Like we go through so much with these kids. How is, what is the expectation of the interaction with the teacher and the students? Do you know how many kids hug me every day? That hug me every day. They wanna talk to me about something private and they wanna get close enough to talk to me. That stand around my desk, that wanna wear my, sweaters, to sit in my chair, to share something with me. That's all day long. That's literally all day long. And you think that we're going to take these kids and tell them that the one person, the one role that they can interact openly and honestly with is the one person that now they can't even touch and get close to. The kids aren't going to be able to handle that. The kids won't, they won't be able to deal with that because for some of the kids, the teacher is the love that they don't have. A lot of them. And think, so you have some affluent families that may keep their kids home and teach them through virtual school, put them in virtual school or homeschool them. But then you have the lower socioeconomic status kids who are gonna to have to come to school. Those are the ones with the behavior issues. Those are the ones that don't have any food. Those are the ones whose parents don't have any time for them or don't take care of them or don't want them or in foster care. Those, the high, those high risk kids 
are the ones that's going to be looking for a place to come to. They're coming to the school. So what's the level of risk for the people who are at the school if no one's even protecting the kids at home? It's a higher level of risk for the people, at, for the faculty and staff and teachers and other students at the schoolhouse. You know, that's really difficult for me and I'm trying to figure it out. And I, I enjoy teaching, I love it. And I love my kids. I look forward to getting my new roster. This time of year, I'll be shopping. I'll be at Target. I'll be at um, the Dollar Tree. Try, what am I gonna put in my classroom? Trying to get something new, what my desk gonna look like? What's my first day of game? My first day of school game gonna be? How? This is all the stuff that I go, we teachers go through every year. And now we're sitting here like, I don't know what to do and I'm gonna be sent in to die. Like I'm literally going to be sent in to die. Like the expectation is that my life doesn't mean anything. The expectation is I can go take it. I'm gonna be going to school, I'm gonna go to die. And that's a tough, that's a tough one. I wonder how many teachers aren't coming, coming back. We had teachers that retired because of the e-learning, because they didn't want to do the technology. They felt like they couldn't. They'd been around long enough. I'm gonna retire. And now you've got teachers that you're saying go into the school and teach these kids all for politics. For politics, like I'm gonna risk my life. I'm gonna die. So that this person feels like he can get the numbers he needs to be elected president? How, that's crazy. Like, where's my choice in it? My choice is to not go to work. Yep. My choice is to not go to work. So uh, Reginald said his friend works in the Florida school system as well and has the same concerns. It is fucked up. And you know, th that's the thing that everybody knows. If you teach, it's got to be something you love about it because, man, it's not the money. <laughs> so it's got to be something that you love and you feel for the children. I know my heart, Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, spring break, holidays off. Those are hard for me because I don't know if I'm going to see the kids again because they struggle with leaving my kids because I'm at alternative school. They struggle with leaving for those time periods because they don't know when they're eating. They don't know what's gonna happen. They don't know when somebody's gonna be kind to them again. It's, it's tough, right? It is a tough situation and, and we're in it. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to be hopeful that as the superintendents, the governors, oh God, that's crazy in itself. The governors, the superintendents, uh, commission of education, I'm gonna hope that when they're having these meetings, that someone is thinking about the human capital and not just politics. Someone is thinking about what it means. Think of it. How many teachers would have to sue their school district for getting families suing the school district for their teacher in the family getting COVID and dying? How many lawsuits would you see for that level of risk? Because that's not written, written in any contract that level of risk isn't in the contracts. We do our active shooter drills, tornado, hurricane, fire. We have all of these drills. There's not a COVID drill. There's not a COVID drill. There's not anything to stop someone from being malicious, removing their face mask, coughing on someone. For People are malicious. That shit happens all the time. There's nothing to stop someone from doing that. What is the level of risk for everybody involved? And it's got to be something more than I'm trying to be reelected for president. There has to be something else. And I'm, if there's any teachers that that's the way they vote and they're being forced into this deadly situation, this COVID situation, I'm hoping they'll choose to vote a different way. You cannot vote for the person that's literally trying to, that's literally okay with ending your life for the sake of their own victory as president. It doesn't make any sense. I, I'm really annoyed by it. So I guess the parents are now in a position that they're trying to figure out what to do with their kids. Just keep your kids at home. Um, 
or let your kids go to school. I feel like my son is 17 and he is getting ready to graduate. If he could finish his last year remotely, then I would advise him to finish his last year remotely. So we're going to see all of this is going to play out. Like all of this literally is going to play out. And not to mention, I know you guys saw that Harvard and MIT, I believe, filed lawsuits against the um, uh, president or the White House, whatever it is, because they're talking about cutting off the funding for international students if they don't go on campus. They're talking, so they filed a lawsuit against that already. These schools aren't playing about this money for these kids and these international students being deported. We can't afford to deport anybody. Americans are going to be deported from wherever the hell they are because we're fucked up over here. So that's what's really going to be an issue when they're kicking Americans out because we have now become the immigrant, the problem, right? In other countries. No, and talking about cutting funding on in schools if they're not open completely. You know, that's just such a such a bully mentality. Like, how do you, if you don't, if you don't do what I tell you to do, that's so, such a fucking bully. This bully mentality. And people are so caught up in following along with that mess that it is just it's disgraceful. And, and all the time that I talk about how I'm proud to be an American and I'm a black American and I can, now I'm sitting here like, maybe I shouldn't say that I'm American. Like when, when will it be okay to be proud to be American again? And we're fighting for it, right? There's a huge struggle for it. We're finally seeing it now with the police and trying to get the police reform and um, people demanding to be treated like people, uh, the civil unrest. And so we're seeing it now. We see people struggling. The Karens are struggling because somebody is talking back to them and they're trying to make a point. This goes back to what I said at the beginning. You have choices, but there are consequences that goes along with your choices. You fuck around and get in somebody's face. Today, the consequence will be you on your ass. Nobody's putting up with the bullshit anymore. It's over. Everybody's tired of it. But now we find ourselves in this political shitstorm of nothingness, of bullying. We're just being bullied and relegated to these little spaces by someone who's supposed to be our leader. He's parenting in the, he's like parenting in the way that I tell people you shouldn't parent. He's the parent that beats his kids to for submission, beat you into slavery to do what I'm telling you to do so I can do what I wanna do and you don't have a comment about it. I can do what I wanna do, how I wanna do it. We have people out there like that now about their kids. You don't tell me what to do with my kids. This one, that's exactly what our president is doing with the United States. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. And that's a bully, very bullying, bullying mentality and People are struggling and suffering behind it. People are suffering, lost. We're all lost. like, where's the leadership? I'm here, right? Where's the leadership? Because we have all, I know from as early as I can remember, and I voted for Richard Nixon in 76. <laughs> in the library, I put my, oh, Jimmy Carter. I put my little ballot in the box in the library at school. And, um, I've always respected the office of the president. Whether I like the person in the office of the president, you respected the office of the president. And people wanted to grow up to be president. I'm gonna be a president, I'm gonna be president. I'm gonna be a doctor, I'm gonna be a lawyer. We had all of these respectful kind of things. And then we get this person who has no respect for what it means to be great in the world, not great in your own head, but to be perceived as greatness by the countries around you, to be a master chess player, not master manipulator. He's not even a master manipulator. To be a master chess player, to be able to see all the pieces and how to move them and to keep a balance of that, things that, that thing to keep America, America. 
we don't have that here. We want, he wants it to be his own playtime and to do what he wants, not understanding that there are millions, millions of millions of people here that hangs in the balance of his bullshit decisions. And now he's even saying, I don't care about you. Go back in the schools and I'm risking your life because I'm trying to win. The virus not gonna hurt you. Yeah, say what, how many hundred thousand people have died? How many new cases today? The virus is waiting to hurt all of us if put in the situation. So I'm gonna wrap, wear your mask, use your hand sanitizer. Be careful, don't go to these damn parties, cesspools of bullshit. Why, for what? For what, what goodness? I look at it like this, even if you're out wanting to date somebody, you can't even get, you can't even get any goodness because they're going to have, say they might have a COVID. You can't even go get no goodness. They might have the COVID. Yes, Jason, you're right. He is being played by other world leaders. And we're seeing that. We are seeing that. He's not a chess player. He thinks that's what I'm saying. In his own mind, he thinks he's doing something. And he's not. He's not. He's got us really fucked up. And it's going to take us. We won't even... I won't even live to see us recover from this bullshit mess he created these past four years. I won't live to see that. That lets you know how long recovery takes from these actions. I won't live to see that. This will be something always in play. China, who is it, the um, person in China, Kim Jong, has now set it up that he won't, he'll always be uh, the, in leadership there for the rest of his life. They won't vote him out. He, that's all because of this bullshit that our president has going on. They were able, he was able to do that. It's crazy, so much shit out there. Uh, Jason, I'm not even gonna get caught up on there. He is, he is definitely a pawn. He is definitely a pawn, but he wants to come off as he's great, but everybody can see him. Everybody can, well, most people can see him as he is now, but a lot of people were supporting his bullshit. Hell, Herman Cain was at his convention, his rally, and he in the hospital with COVID. Oops. How'd that work out for you? Crazy. All right, let me tell you all this story real quick before I go. It's almost 10 o'clock. So, okay, don't forget next week, I'm going to have a number, and I want you guys to call in, and we have some discussion topics. So that's the first thing. Also, don't forget, my books are available on my website and Amazon, and... Any past episodes of Joy Exposed can be uh, downloaded from Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. This will be uploaded probably the next, this episode will be uploaded in a couple of days. And subscribe to my channel. I know we had a blackout yesterday. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I need subscribers. All right. So let me tell you guys this real quick. So this is kind of how my week started. I was sitting up here talking about it and the COVID and made me think about it. So a really good uh, colleague of mine whose classroom is right next door to mine sent, him, sent me a message and told me that he had been diagnosed with COVID. And he's older than me. So he's probably 65. I always say he's old enough to be my dad. So, but he would be really young. So I think he's probably 65, 66, maybe. Anyway, so he said his wife had COVID. She had been in the hospital for a week. When he found out he had it, then he went to the hospital. So after he'd been in for a week, I, I was sending him a message every morning. Hey, how you feeling? Hey, you know, just trying to keep a finger on the pulse, like, you know. And he, um, he sent me a message and said that they were over the hospital. He said, we're over the hospital. And if this is our time, our time has come, you know, we're done with this. He said, we're just really talking about, now they're at the same hospital, but they're isolated because they got COVID. So they're there together, but they're isolated. He said that they have talked and decided that if they were in their last days, they would rather be together than apart. So they were contemplating going home to spend their last days together 
so that they could at least be together. I'm telling you, I read that message. And look, I'm about to cry thinking about it. I read that message and I, I probably cried for an hour because I thought, what in the hell has, how do you, I can't imagine being in a place knowing that my death could be near like and it's not in a that you have to make a decision for what to do and I laid there and I thought about it like I can talk about dying now I can talk about dying and what I want but when death is in your face and you just have to succumb to whatever either whatever God's will is whatever the will is you're going to get over it and live or you're going to die. You have to succumb to that. What is that like? So that was my first thing. The second thing is that I want to have that love. Like I want to have the love of someone or to love someone so great. Not that, that us dying together is more important than us dying apart. Like I want, I want that. Like to me that says, and I always talk about how he loves his wife. He loves his wife, he talks about her and not, not talk about her like brag about her, but he makes reference to her like a part of him. And you know me, I say, you know that a man loves you because he treats you as an extension of himself. And he talks about his wife and lively talk about her. And I'm always like, man, you absolutely love your wife. And that's one of the things that I didn't have in my marriage that celebratory conversation from my husband about me like that oh this is the greatest thing ever like I didn't have that and I may not ever have it you know I can talk about me that way and I want to be able to talk about my husband that way but I thought how amazing is it to have that kind of love in all the chaos and mess that's going on and how we all want to live and how we're all trying to live, you start thinking about what it means to have that love that it's greater than, being in it is greater than anything else. And I read his message and I sat there and I cried. And I didn't cry like, sadness I was my tears were happy tears of like man he found it like that's probably I don't know many loving marriages and relationships and I don't know about you guys I didn't see it in my parents <clears throat> they divorced when I was young so I haven't had a lot of experience with healthy loving relationships Seeing them, probably maybe three, maybe three. I haven't had that. I haven't had the experience of it. And I, I want it for myself. I want, I, and maybe, maybe everybody doesn't get it. But I was just weeping for him knowing that he had it like he and his wife had this love that goes beyond anything else and that just warmed me so much so i uh the next day i sent him a message and they were still there and then i sent another message on yesterday and they made it home yesterday and i was like do you need anything and he was like i need you to stay safe and so I just was thinking like, what does the school year look like if he doesn't come back? 
how did I, how would I have known the last time I saw him could be the last time that I see him? And it's not to say that he's dying, but he has COVID and he's in the high risk group and his wife has had like breast cancer. So they're both high risk. What is that? How does that work? So I, I'm really having a hard time with when I'm talking about the death and the illness and the associated with the COVID and people are being so frivolous with how they're using it or what they're doing about it. I'm having a hard time with that because it's real. Death is, this is my, Carmen died, Josh died. Now he may, because, but he has COVID. Like, so all of this is since the pandemic started that I've lost all of these people that have been close to me in my life. And I'm like, if people can't understand that this is this thing is real, it's gonna be way more deaths than this. It's gonna be way more deaths than this. So you guys wear your masks, they're mandatory in some places, optional in others. Don't just think about yourself. You think about everybody around you that could expose you to or you expose them and you take care of yourself this is your social emotional learning the responsibility of taking care of who you are around you your social responsibility so we have to make sure that we pay close attention to that so this is joycelyn wells and this was joy exposed and remember when joy is exposed everything just feels better I'll see you guys next week. Stay safe. Wear those masks. Bye.